everybody. Welcome to episode 13 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and on this episode, we're going to take a look at the next three chapters of Adam Man vs. Superman, the sequel serial released by Columbia Pictures in 1950, starring Kirk Allen as Superman. With these three chapters, we're going to be moving toward the end of the serial. The uh, stakes are getting high. Superman has just come back, having escaped from the empty doom. And he is going to start making his final push to expose Luthor, who is posing as a television executive, to justice and prove that he is the Atom Man. Lois is going to be working at the television studio as part of an investigation launched by Clark to prove whether or not Luthor is still a criminal genius. And we're going to spend these next three chapters... uh, Watching that investigation, how it turns out, and how exactly our Daily Planet crew starts to uncover what Luthor is behind. So, before we get into business on this episode, I have no further preamble, so I'm going to take a quick break, play a promo, and I'm going to come back with chapters 10 and 11 of Adam Man vs. Superman. Hang around, folks. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You start fleet officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrett. Plain, simple, Garrett. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. Welcome back. Chapter 10, Adam Man's Heat Ray. Luthor's television truck diverts attention. Others of his men rob a nearby store. As the holdup men flee, Lois and Jimmy pursue them. Superman saves Jimmy, but two crooks teleport away. Luthor plans again using Lois as a diversion, but this time stopping the crooks to boost his respectability. They're apt to suspect me whenever a scientific crime is committed. That is unfortunate. I'd like to catch those men and turn them over to the police. You think they'll try it again the next time we're telecasting? They might. They know that our television truck draws attention away from them. I'll work out a plan to stop them. I hope you do. We'll be outside again tomorrow on Franklin Avenue. If there's any trouble, I'll take care of it. Thank you, Miss Lane. Bye. At the Daily Planet. (sighs) Gee, this place sure isn't the same without Lois. I wish she hadn't have been fired. So do I. But she asked for it. Is that so? And let me tell you, Clark Kent, you might find something better to do than sit and talk about me. Don't look so upset, Jimmy. Lois, you shouldn't be here. Suppose Luthor finds out that it was framed for you to get a job with him. You mean our being fired was all a gag? Never mind the questions, Junior. 
I came to tell you something, Clark. I think Luther's on the level. Well, I don't. He's going to prove it by cooperating with the police. Don't move. Anyone. What I just heard would mean a lot of money to Luthor. Or maybe you? Sure. I'm out for all I can get. After Clark is locked in Perry's office, Superman appears to stop the crook. When Lois does another street interview, two hired crooks rob a payroll truck. But hidden in the TV truck, Luthor's men use a heat ray to trap the robbers. The robbers are delayed enough for Clark, Lois, and Jimmy to see them arrested. But Lois has seen another man run away. There was a third man in on this. How do you know? I saw him run out of here into an alley around the corner. Well, let's go take a look. Uh, you two run along. Uh, I'll, I'll come by later. You're going right with us. If there's any trouble, I'll protect you. He is working with Luthor and leads him into a building and teleports away. Luthor triggers a release of gas in the room, making the reporters collapse. Alright, and as always, the uh, synopsis for the serials has been brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. Now on to uh, analysis. Uh, this chapter picks up where the previous one left off with Jimmy uh, with his foot stuck in the rail. I'm sure you remember me saying that if Jimmy got hit by the train that was bearing down on him, that he deserved it. Because why would you run across active train tracks? We find out in the recutting of the opening that the train is not bearing down on Jimmy like we thought. Superman runs onto the scene and stops the train that is advancing. It's really on a rear screen projection, so like he did in the last serial, basically Superman put his hand on a screen and the train stopped coming. Again, and like I mentioned earlier when this happened in the previous serial, Superman could not and would not stop a train quite like this, because if he did, the cars trailing would jump the tracks and derail the whole train, causing a massive wreck. Instead, the engineer is just jolted a little bit by the impact. Meanwhile, Carl and Foster are hanging around and have just now decided to disappear. They could have done that well before now, but no, they waited until the last minute to disappear. And you know, now we can see that the producers are saving even more money. They're not even pretending to let Superman fly. He just runs off screen. Lois is keeping up the hostility toward Clark as she tells him to get lost. He's probably hiding somewhere to look troubles over. Now, is that nice? I tried to follow those men, but I got lost. Well, get lost again. Just what did you see, Lois? Two men running away with you chasing them. Did you lose them? Yeah. Superman almost caught them, but they faded away into thin air. You know, nice little bit here. Jimmy doesn't know yet that this is all a ruse for Lois to investigate Luthor, so she needs Jimmy to think that she is still angry with Clark. And, you know, it is rather nice of her to leave the car with the flat tire, don't you think? It's got a flat tire. Yeah. A bullet did that. The next time you chase hold of men, keep them away from this car. <laughs> Here's where you could use Superman. Very funny. You know, it's very interesting that Luther's television truck should be so near the scene of the crime. Do you think it's more than a coincidence? In view of his past record, yeah. And, and Jimmy uh, gets the flack for it as Clark <laughs> scolds Jimmy about chasing hold-up men with the car. You know, but Lois, if you remember from watching, told them where the car was. How exactly would Lois know where the car was, Clark, if Jimmy was the one driving the thing? You know, you would think Clark would have taken note of something like that. Luthor, right now, is 
very pleased at what's going on. He is, spec is talking about how having Lois Lane on his staff is adding to the, his own respectability. And this gives Luthor a chance to lament to Lois about how he would be suspected of scientific crimes. But now he's going to go out of his way to show the law that he can be trustworthy by catching robbers in the act. If I were a suspicious person, and if Lois were a suspicious person, she might think here that Luthor is trying a little hard to prove that he is now a law-abiding citizen. That, in and of itself, would make me suspicious. But Lois is not showing that she is unmoved by his arguments. She's going to go along with his plan. So once she's gone, naturally, Luthor is going to hire some outside help because they're expendable. You don't want to send your own men up the river. At least, not unless he finds some way for himself to benefit from it. Lois shows up at the planet to tell Clark that she thinks Luthor is on the level. Clark still doesn't believe it, and yet us as the viewers, we don't believe it either because we know Luthor is not on the level. We know who Luthor is. And this is when the light bulb go, kind of goes off on Jimmy's head when he realizes Lois getting fired from the planet was a setup. Haven't you ever noticed that whenever you realize something like this, there's always some guy listening outside the door? Well, in this case, we have Charles King. Well, Charles King is the actor who played Conrad in the previous serial. He's back here. He is going to play this guy that's hanging out by the door. There is nothing in the serial that tells us that this isn't Conrad. So, for simplicity's sake, I'm going to call him Conrad. Conrad, like anybody else, he wants some hush money. Because, you know, what he just overheard, it will be very valuable to, to Luthor. And now he wants to make it valuable for himself. Wouldn't you? He orders Clark to open the safe. And, you know, more so than in the previous serial, Clark has been showing a lot of backbone in this one. But he gets himself locked in Perry's office. That gives him the chance to change into Superman. He's locked in the office, and he's alone. He doesn't need to go into a closet to change into Superman. Well, he does, and I am now wondering if we have ever seen this closet before. I personally hadn't noticed it in my previous viewing of the serial. I never had any reason to notice it. And without going back and checking on a previous chapter, I don't know if that closet's been there. But it's there, and Superman will fly out of the office and come through the storeroom. Now, I like this bit that happens next. Conrad is shooting at Superman because, well, that's what these guys do. He doesn't have any kryptonite to uh, keep the Man of Steel at bay with. But So while Conrad is firing, Superman just holds out his, his right hand, and the bullet bounces off of his hand and brings a light fixture down on Conrad. No escape for him. Lois, meanwhile, goes to check on Clark, and she finds him coming back in through the window. What on earth were you doing out there? I don't know. When I came to, I found myself out there on the ledge. I don't know how I got there. Sounds like a new kind of sleepwalking. What happened? Superman arrived and took care of things. How in the hell did he get out there? There is no way anyone can punch him all the way out there. Lois doesn't buy his explanation that he doesn't know how he got out there and calls it sleepwalking. 
You know, this is another example of Clark being unable to account for the things he does while covering for his superpowers. He is definitely going to have to get better at making excuses for himself. Lois is out there the next day doing some more man-on-the-street interviews. Those are the worst. I'd rather cover spot news. Man-on-the-street basically involves what Lois is doing here, asking random questions of random people. And I'll be honest, personally for me, if I'm on the street trying to walk from point A to point B, or basically whatever I'm doing, I really don't want to be bothered by anybody with a microphone asking me random questions. I don't want to tell someone I don't know my thoughts on politics or whether or not, or in this case, what's more interesting, city life or farm life. This farmer is telling Lois that city life is boring as compared to farm life. There's always something going on on a farm. Okay, I grew up in Brooklyn, at least for the first 12 years of my life. And then I moved to upstate New York, which is kind of rural and, to my eyes, was kind of boring as a kid. But if I had to say one was more interesting than the other, I would definitely say living in New York City was much more interesting. But to each his own, it's whatever you're into. Who am I to judge? I am just a podcaster. Meanwhile, as Lois is uh, doing her little in her interviews here, these guys are robbing a payroll trailer, and Bear and Carl trap them in the trailer. Clark again handles himself pretty well during the fight, and these two guys get themselves arrested. But I'm not sure how this helps Luthor. I mean, how would it help Luthor if Clark and Jimmy are are catching the crooks? Luthor has not done anything to get these guys into custody. I don't know. I'm not sure what Luthor was trying to accomplish here, and I'm not sure it actually does accomplish anything for him. I love here how Lois isn't letting Clark escape the change into Superman. You know, like I've been saying, he needs to come up with some better excuses. They're running after the criminals. You'd think Clark would just kind of fall behind and change into Superman while they're focused on what's in front of him. They all end up going into this large, empty room, because that's where Foster has led them. He's gone. The door shuts. And Luthor pumps the room full of gas from his machine in the cave. Again, there is no explanation as to how this machine works. It just does. And everybody's going to pass out from the gas. So, a fairly straightforward chapter there. You know, right now, that chapter just moved the plot along a little bit. We're still kind of meandering a little bit. We'll definitely get into more interesting chapters next week when we finish off this serial. Let's move right along to chapter 11. Luthor's strategy. Clark recovers, and Superman inhales the gas, then exhales it through a punched hole, then drags the others out. Yes, go on. Well, I remember three men holding up the payroll trailer. One ran down the alley. After that, my mind's a blank. Clark and I cornered two of them. The police took them to the cooler. Oh, that should prove to a certain reporter, who shall be nameless, that his suspicions of Mr. Luthor are unfounded. Maybe it does. Then again, maybe it doesn't. Well, sorry I can't say this has been a pleasant interlude. Where are you going? Back to the television truck of my job. Where else? Well, do you mind if we walk with you? May I remind you we're not speaking? Clark is still suspicious of Luthor. From what you tell me, I'd say Luthor is clear of any suspicion. That's what we want to hear. On the surface, yes. But dig a little deeper. How deep do you want to go? The robbery was stopped, the thugs are behind bars. Two of them, yes. But the third one escaped, and he is the key man. And how did you figure that out, Mr. Kent? 
Because when the two men were questioned, they said they were hired by the man who escaped. And what does that prove? Luther hired those men and framed the robbery to divert suspicion from himself. You sound like the plot of a cheap detective story. That gas chamber was much too handy. The robbery, the arrest, and the escape, all part of a well-timed scheme, and it could have been Luthor's. You've got to admit that it was more than a coincidence. Well, there may be something in what you say, but if you want to play private eye, do it on your own time. All right, I will. Come on, Jimmy. Right behind you. Keep the beam on Kent and Olton. Right. At a press conference, Luthor shows threats he has received from the Atom Man. As you know, I've developed a number of scientific instruments to be used in the fight against crime. As a result, my life is placed in jeopardy. By whom? I received several threatening letters this past week from the Atom Man. Uh, you can read for yourselves. Luthor, any further interference from you will prove fatal. This is good advice. Take it. Signed, Atom Man. What do you intend doing? I shall continue my crusade against this criminal, no matter what the consequences. May we quote that? Cut the sarcasm. It's his business to ask, Miss Lane. My statement is for publication. Those are bold words, Luthor. But before you defy the Atom Man, take heed of the consequences. This is just a sample of what would happen if you would disregard my warning. Gentlemen, as you've seen for yourselves, we're combating a master criminal. However, despite all these threats, I shall continue in my efforts to expose him. Now will you admit your suspicions of Mr. Luthor were silly? I guess so. Thanks again for your time, gentlemen. I know you're eager to get back to your papers. See you in print, Clark. I guess so. Clark and Lois separately go and cover a flood upstate. Superman saves two people by providing a raft. The nearby dam collapses, and a wall of water rushes toward where Lois has insisted in staying, filming the flood. Alright, as the chapter starts, Clark, we see Clark waiting until both Jimmy and Lois pass out before changing into Superman and, and inhaling the gas. You know, you see this happen quite a bit in rooms that are pumped full of gas with Clark and Lois and Jimmy or any human characters. Sometimes he waits an an awful long time, endangering their lives, almost, so that he can wait until they're unconscious before he changes into Superman. He inhales all the gas and rescues them. He starts to. Luthor's device here, and I think he, he eventually calls it a cyclotron. This thing can do just about anything to any place. It's never explained how that works, which is strange because... Luthor has gone to great lengths to explain how the space transporter and the main arc work, so it's weird that we never really get any explanation on how this main device uses works. We watch Superman inhale the gas here. Basically what happens is Kirk Allen takes a huge breath, and the gas just goes into his mouth. It doesn't actually look as though it's going into his mouth until the very end, but it's a satisfactory effect, let's call it that. It doesn't look quite as bad as some of the others. Now, after Superman carries out Lois and Jimmy, Clark will put on a big show of stumbling out of the building and passing out. I love how everybody, you know, a bunch of people have gathered around where Superman carried both Lois and Jimmy out of this building. But no one wonders why he didn't seem to bother to carry Clark out. 
I guess uh, young men and women first. Let the uh, older Clark walk out on his own. Lois and Clark both remain unconvinced that they were wrong. Lois still believes Luthor to be innocent, while Clark still believes he is a criminal. And for some reason, Perry White is on Lois' side. And nobody is really convinced over anything, so like I mentioned before, I really don't understand what Luthor was trying to accomplish with this little ruse. We're going to move right along, and the TV truck is hanging out at the planet again. This TV truck hangs out at the planet a lot, and for some reason, nobody says anything. I guess it's just to kind of become part of the scenery at this point. Now we get Clark making a decent line of logic here, noting the two men who were arrested who said they were hired by the one that got away, which we knew is Foster. I'm not sure Clark realizes that, and that they were led into the gas chamber before Foster disappeared. Clark knows that, but I'm not sure he knows where Foster has come from. Although he should, because we've seen Foster before. Foster was in the Daily Planet office, setting up Superman to use his x-ray vision on the nails at Central Station. Now, Clark was there as Superman, obviously, but he should have remembered Foster's face. At least you would think. But right now, Perry won't even consider that Luthor is anything but on the level, and I'm not sure why. Maybe he's just playing devil's advocate. After all, he did agree to go along with Clark's plan to stage Lois's defection to Luthor's television studio. Maybe, you know, he's just trying to make sure Clark has his, all of his bases covered. But, of course, Clark is not saying anything in a vacuum, as Luthor's men use their spy gear to listen in, and they try to get Luthor to make a mistake by persuading Superman to disappear. Now, I'm just glad, you know, it's fortunate for Lois that Clark and Perry don't mention anything about Lois working at Luthor's television studio undercover. That would make things awfully uncomfortable for Lois when she went into work. This is when Luthor, after his men report in what they've heard from the Daily Planet, realizes Clark might be smarter than they realized. That hotshot reporter Clark Kent has a notion that if Superman fades out for a little while, you'll make a foolish move and tip your hand. What are your instructions? Send him to location 17. Proceed to location 17. That is all. That Kent fellow is more astute than we thought. Yes, he is. Unless we can find some way of keeping him from being suspicious, he can seriously endanger our plan. Now, in the first serial, Clark was the next best thing to useless, so it's nice to see his character getting a chance to uh, be in on the action and uh, have the criminals recognize the fact that he can cause a problem for them, and it's not just Superman making all the trouble. In response, Luthor is going to hold a press conference. Because what do you do when somebody thinks you're a criminal? You hold a press conference and use a series of parlor tricks to prove your innocence. And Luthor is going to do just that in very theatrical fashion. As he stages a threat from the Atom Man, which involves some threatening notes, a disembodied voice that threatens Luthor over what I can only assume is some kind of loudspeaker, and he stages an attack with the weapon in the cave, which undoubtedly we know has been supplied by Albers. This convinces most of the press, but Clark is still not convinced, and you gotta imagine his superpowers play some kind of role in his not being convinced that Luthor is innocent. We saw during the bridge scene in chapter one where he was able to 
block the vibrations of Luthor's weapon. So maybe he's feeling something similar here, and he knows that there is some kind of object that's attacking, and he finds it familiar to what Luthor used earlier. Like I said, he goes back to the planet to talk to Perry. He's still unconvinced, calling the whole thing Luthor's magic act. Despite his best theory and intentions, he still cannot prove that Luthor was a criminal. And I think he's starting to get a little frustrated by that. But his frustrations are going to have to wait as Clark is going to get a trip upstate. Well, it's not going to be a relaxing trip upstate, you know, like what people would consider luxurious. He is going to cover a flood. And, folks, I've been flooded. When I lived far upstate New York during hurricanes, Irene and Lee, I got flooded out of my out of my house in, uh, twice in a two-week period. It's not fun. So anytime I see a flood on the news or a flood in this serial, even though these people aren't real, I sympathize for them. Clark is sent up there to cover this flood, and this gives us an opportunity to see some more super feats. What I love about these super feats is they're not related to the main plot in the slightest. This is something that would happen and should happen in Superman's life. Yes, Superman is involved with this investigation into Luthor and trying to prove that he's the Atom Man, but life still happens. There's a flood upstate, and this is a job for Superman, and this is what he should be doing. And I'm glad that this serial took the time to do this. This also alleviates the problem the previous serial had by using elaborate schemes and traps by both heroes and villains to stretch a bare-bones plot across 15 chapters. The plot is still going on, but just for this moment, it's going to take a back seat to this flood that's going to take up a bunch of this chapter and some of the next, and this works for me. The traps on top of traps and the plotting on top of plotting from Superman to Serial just didn't work for me in any way. This does. And obviously we're going to see in these shots of the flood a lot of animals and livestock and canoes and people floating on rooftops showing us what a dire situation this is. The flood I was in wasn't this dire, but it was still inconvenient. I mean, these are all great shots, and I can only imagine they found new shots of real floods and used them. I can't imagine the uh, production, which was kind of was known for doing things on a shoestring budget, was able to stage this kind of activity. Now with the job for Superman, and the music is kicking up as the tension builds, as we're wondering whether Superman is going to be able to save uh, a lot of these people. I do have one nitpick, though. Superman flies from left to right, but his S is backwards. Again, I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it until these dead producers sinks in their heads. There are plenty of stock shots of him flying from left to right with the S facing the proper direction, that they should have been able to avoid this. Now, as for the flying animation, the one thing I do like, and I probably mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. The one thing it does, and despite the fact that it looks silly, it does allow Superman to fly in the shot without resorting to an extreme close-up, which could be anything. I also love that we're showing Superman just rescuing these unknown people that we've never seen before from their home by inflating a raft for them. Being Superman is just not about saving Lois and Jimmy, and it's refreshing to see him saving others. I guess when he's done with that, he goes back to being Clark for a break. I'm not sure 
with all that's going on, Superman would actually find time for a break, but he does. This time he does, and he hears a warning about a dam in danger when he was driving, and that's about to break as we go toward the end of this chapter. Lois and her crew are told to pull out because the area is going to be flooded soon. Better clear out of here. You're in a bad spot. The dam up above lava will break at any minute. Thanks. Back it up. We're pulling out. What's the rush? Let's make this an epic of TV reporting. You heard the man said, didn't you? What's the matter? Are you scared? <clears throat> Instead, she wants to make this an epic of TV reporting. There is no epic reporting if you are washed away in a flood, and to the best of my knowledge, she has not yet seen Superman, so there is no reason for her to assume he's here. This is just stupid. And then she kind of, you know, makes fun of the men, like, that's to them. What, you scared? Yes, they're scared. And you should be too, Lois. The forces of nature are not to be trifled with. That dam is going to break and that river is going to wash you away. It does, nature doesn't care about your epic TV reporting. It's not worth your life. Get out of there. But I do wonder why, why these guys, as they run away, just abandon their camera. They should have been able to get out of there quickly enough and drive away with the camera and the truck. This whole sequence does make little sense, but since we're nearing the end of the chapter, we need a cliffhanger. And the truck, which is about to be washed away, is as good a cliffhanger as any. So, with that said, I'm going to take a short break. I'm going to play another promo, and then I'm going to come back with Chapter 12, Adam Man Strikes. Carl, you have traveled far. One journey has ended. A new journey is about to begin. Hey everybody, Magnus here. I do a podcast called Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. What I do is spend six episodes talking about comics, movies, and TV shows. But all that stuff gets put on hold every eighth episode so that I can talk about Smallville. Smallville's the most underrated live-action adaptation of Superman in all of history. Smallville's my favorite version of Superman apart from the comics, and so every eighth episode, I put Smallville under a microscope. Listeners all around the world have been shocked to discover just how awesome Smallville truly is and just how well it holds up to critical scrutiny. I've recently finished what most people regard as Smallville's first run, with the conclusion of the mighty third season of the show. But, as awesome as Smallville may have been up to this point, the best is still to come. And I want you along for the ride. This is Magnus Talks About Smallville, an eighth episode feature of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. Now with fewer cigarette breaks. So, check out Magnus Talks About Smallville. Every eighth Tuesday, for all the Smallville small talk you could ever hope to shake a stick at. Magnus talks about Smallville. Every 8th Tuesday, only at twotruefreaks.com. Alright folks, welcome back. And Chapter 12, Adam Man Strikes. Superman saves Lois by grabbing... 
the TV truck she is in. Superman shows Lois a secret compartment in the truck. Are you all right? I guess so. I thought I was a goner. You were well on your way. I arrived just in time. That's quite an outfit you have here. A lot of gadgets we don't have in a newspaper office. What's that front compartment for? I didn't know we had one. Let's have a look. sure it has nothing to do with television. I'll ask Earl when I see him. No, don't. Just keep your eye on this compartment the next time the truck is working. Later, Lois is suspicious when three stores are robbed, which were where she had done TV interviews. She phones the planet and Jimmy passes her message to Clark. Hello? Oh, hi, Lois. No, Clark's still upstate covering the flood. What's buzzing? Those robberies last night. Yeah, what about it? We made telecasts in front of every store that was robbed. What's the connection? Well, that's what I'm trying to find out. There's some gadget working from a secret compartment in the truck. Hey, maybe you've got something. I'll tell Clark as soon as he gets back. Be sure you do. Bye. Have you heard from Lois? Yeah, she left a message for you. She was excited because every store or TV op that worked in front of was robbed the following night. That's more than a coincidence. Looks more and more like the Atom Man's work. Later, Lois steals a notepad from Luthor's office. That lame girl lifted a pad from your desk. You saw it from the elevator. There was nothing on the pad. Well, I guess it's all right then. No. No, we must recover it. I was listing the combinations of tonight's jobs. If I know that lame girl, she'll try to read the pencil impressions. Go after her. Lois runs and eventually escapes by getting into the planet building. Luthor orders a thermal gun be used to destroy the building. When Superman appears, the crooks turn the heat ray on him. Alright, you know, I just noticed as this chapter begin begins that when Superman lands, there's a great-looking S on his cape. Apparently, in 1950, it wasn't too difficult to animate the S on the cape. But, apparently, now it is. Perhaps, uh, today's animators are just lazy. So Superman grabs this truck by the bumper and pulls it away and sets it on dry ground. He's literally holding this truck by the front bumper, and you would think that just the weight of the rest of the truck would cause the bumper to fall off and make the truck hit the ground. But this is where, after he sets the truck down on some dry ground, this is where Superman spots a front compartment that Lois didn't know about. I wonder what this could be. Well, this is where they find Luthor's spy gear, and this is the first instant that Lois kind of starts to put together that something may be up with Luthor. He might not be the upstanding businessman that she seems to think he is. Now, this next scene is the other newsmen come up to give Lois a few minutes to gush over how great Superman is. Yes, it's Superman. He just pulled the truck out of the flood with me in it. We saw him do it. I wouldn't have believed it possible. It was easy for Superman. Well, I'm certainly obliged to you for saving Ms. Lane and the truck. It was a pleasure. Now I must get back to the flooded area. She spends a lot of time doing that in this outing to the point where my eyes are kind of starting to roll a little bit as she lays it on awful thick. And I'm not really buying Earl's shock at seeing what Superman can do. You know, I don't know how long Earl has lived in Metropolis, but Superman has been around for some time at this point. What he can do shouldn't be that much of a secret, but I don't know. I guess if you've never seen it in person, it can have that kind of effect. 
Lois is used to it and remarks about how easy it is for him. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, picking up that truck, you know, real easy. It is for Superman. And Lois is awfully smiley after having been plucked from certain death. You know, I don't care who pulled me out of harm's way. My knees will probably be shaking for the rest of the day after something like that. Now, the TV crew is suddenly back in Metropolis, getting a plaque for, for their efforts, which involved losing a camera and nearly getting the truck destroyed. That would not be how it happens at my job. Oh, no, no, no. But this plaque was created awfully quick, as Superman is still upstate at the flood. So the timing is kind of off. Luthor's appreciation is going to be shown in their next paycheck. Personally, I don't know about you guys, but I can certainly use that kind of appreciation. My boss shows her appreciation by letting me come back to work the next day. Definitely for me, some monetary appreciation would go a long way. A quick note here on Luthor's radio transmission to Albers, which obviously he makes after everybody else leaves the room. Instead of identifying himself as the Atom Man, which he's done before, he uses the code XL. XL to headquarters. XL to headquarters. XL to headquarters. Come in, XL. Superman is busy upstate at the flood. We'll take advantage of his absence and uh, make a cleanup. Install the equipment in truck two. Tomorrow we'll survey the locations on list three. Which we heard for the first time in chapter one, where Luthor's men were trying to escape the police. At that point, the police knew that Luthor was guilty, as this was before he was put in prison at the beginning. So, XL was perfectly acceptable for something for them to use. Throughout the course of this serial, you never hear his first name. Of course, like I also mentioned in a previous episode, that Luthor didn't get his first name of Lex until 1960, and Lex is short for Alexander. But it's not that much of a stretch to take XL to Lexel to Lex Luthor. I'm not saying anything came from that. I'm just saying that it's interesting. That's all. Lois is doing some early morning Man on the Street interviews. And these people do not want to be bothered. Whose bright idea was this getting up before the crack of dawn? I take my orders from the program department. They want a man on the street telecast, the early morning riser. We got up even before he did. Here comes someone now. Ready with the mic, Eddie. We're on the air. How do you do? And how are you this bright, fine morning? Sleepy. Well, that's one man's opinion. Save it. We're off the air. Yeah, the truck has it now. We'll move to a more favorable location. Okay, Eddie, you can wrap it up. I don't want to be bothered first thing in the morning. Not until I've had my tea. I really can't drink coffee because it does bizarre things to my stomach, so I have to be a tea drinker. This <laughs> one guy is really short. He's just sleepy. He must get up early at work nights. And while she's working, Lois is trying to keep an eye on that secret compartment that Superman pointed out to her. But Earl orders her up front. He may be in on it. I've watched this before, but don't remember. It could be just a coincidence that as she's trying to spy, she just keeps getting called away. I would love to know how this machine bear is using to get the combinations works. Like I've said, they've explained all the devices, but not this and the item in the cave. 
Now, Lois picks up a copy of the newspaper. Even though she works on TV, she has not left the previous medium behind, at least not in her heart, and she's still reading the paper. Not that nobody is these days. I'll be honest, I don't even read the paper, and I work at one. The only part of the paper I read is the part that I have to read. But this is when Lois starts to notice that something might be wrong, as three robberies match the location of where her TV truck was located. And suddenly I'm wondering who is doing the reporting, with Lois working for Luthor and Clark still upstate covering the flood. Maybe Jimmy did it? I don't know. Like I said, Clark is still at the flood. Some time must have passed, but I don't know how long it's been since Clark has been there. You know, floods can go on for extended periods, so it must be days at this point. We see Superman, he's still up there. He's going to a fire now because, well, sometimes he gets to get fires mixed in with your floods. It happens. Superman grabs a box of explosives, and in a nice effect, he blows up a water spout that I assume extinguishes the fire. You know, we just kind of see see a blast and a transition back to uh, back to Perry's office. You know, I wish we had an opportunity to actually see what happened, but I'm guessing there wasn't enough money for that. Personally, partial to what Superman, at least the post-crisis version, would do in the comics, where he would fly into the river, spin, and uh, bring a water spout with him and dump the water onto the fire. I'd love to see that in a film someday. But I don't think the modern writers are reading post-crisis comics for their inspiration. Now, Jimmy relays Lois's message to Clark about the stores that were robbed. And apparently by now, Clark has had enough of the flood and is back at the planet. But Clark is excited about this news as, uh... Well, who wouldn't be excited by a bunch of robberies that could prove your theory about the criminal true? And right now, we see Luthor in his office. He's writing down some safe combinations. Remember this. It's important. And as she comes in, Lois notices Luthor rip the sheet of paper off the pad and stick it in his pocket. So, she does what any one of you would do in that same situation. She just takes the pad right out from underneath Luthor's nose, and Luthor doesn't notice. But Carl and Bear did, because they were hiding out in the elevator off behind Luthor's desk. At first, Luthor dismisses the fact that Lois has grabbed the pad, because he thinks that it's nothing... And then he realizes that that's the pad in which he wrote down the safe combinations for tonight's jobs. And if he knows Lois, she's going to try to read the impressions. Now, as Bear and Carl are chasing her, they call to Earl to ask where Lois was. I still don't know whether Earl is involved or not, but he does seem to know Bear and Carl, but there's been no other indication that he is involved. Now, here's a fun sequence of Lois running from Bear and Carl, and it's clear now that she has quit Luthor's employ as she's now on the run, on the lamb from the TV guy, back to the newspaper. She gets them caught up in a lobby and causes them to run into somebody. She leads them through another building and down a fire escape. And this is just a fun chase, and what I really like about this is Lois gets through this with not a lick of assistance from Superman. And Lois really, after she comes out through this fire escape, she has a moment of ingenuity as she finds a ladder leaning on the building in the in the alley, and she takes the ladder and sticks it underneath the stairs for the fire escape, preventing them from hit the, hit the ground. And Carl, you know, eventually gets through it, but he kind of slips and falls a little bit. And as luck would hold, she managed, manages to... Uh, Escape to the Daily Planet. You know, like I said, I like how she got through this with no help from Superman. 
And now that Lois has run off with the pad that has the pencil impressions for tonight's jobs, he has given up on all pretenses of, of the Atom Man and continues to use his XL radio handle. And what does he do? He orders the Daily Planet building destroyed. Because that's what I would do. If I'm trying to get rid of one person who has a possibly suspect piece of paper, first thing I'm doing, I'm knocking down that building. And I'm going to send out the thermal truck to do it. This truck is sent to the planet to destroy the building. And the chapter ends with Foster and Carl firing the machine at Superman and knocking him into some power lines as the Daily Planet building heats up and, well, it could uh, start a fire, I guess. And we're going to find out what's going to happen next week as I cover the final three chapters of Adam Man vs. Superman. But until then, you can send me some feedback if you are so inclined to do so. You can use the email address, manofscreen at gmail.com. You can get me on Facebook by searching for the Man of Screen podcast. Or you can contact me on the show's Twitter feed. My Twitter handle is at manofscreencast. So, until next time. Who is trapped in this truck? Is this some new and frightful weapon of Luthor's? For the answers, listen to episode 14 of the Man of Screen podcast on this web feed next week. The Man of Screen podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all opinions on the show are those of Mike Zumo and no one else. All music is in sound clips used in the making of the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All trademarks are copyright their original copyright holders. The Man of Screen podcast is a member of the Superman Podcast Network and can be found at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. The homepage for the show is manofscreen.podomatic.com. And you can email the show at manofscreen at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.